this isn't just a one-time project, right? You're getting in a long-term partnership with your ERP implementation vendor. You know, at Navigator, we have a customer for life motto, right? We want to be with you as you grow and be that trusted advisor as technology changes, as your business changes, as you expand into different product lines or industries or regions, right? So we, we want to be part of that growth cycle with you. That's really our ideal customer. This is the ERP Organizational Change Journal podcast, brought to you by Nestle and Associates, a Newport Beach, California-based ERP organizational change management firm serving the private equity industry. The ERP OCJ seeks to share expertise, insight, experience, and research, and to create effective conversation to help guide ERP organizational change to real, measurable, and verified success. And now, here's your ERP expert and host, the founder of Nestle & Associates, Dr. Jack Nestle. Hey, Jack here. In this episode, we will discuss a couple of SAP ERP products with an SAP implementation partner, Navigator. We're going to discuss SAP Business One and SAP Business by Design. Additionally, our guests will share some ERP insights, experiences, and success factors. Objective research suggests that there's one best ERP solution for each and every unique organization. But what does that really mean? The organization needs to take the time and the effort to find that one best fit without making assumptions. In fact, research suggests that ERP system selection, implementation methodology, and partner selection is critical for a successful ERP organizational change project. So in this episode, we will further explore specific ERP products, SAP, and partner and get their thoughts on ERP trends, ERP differentiators, and much more. All of us here at the ERP OCJ hope you find this podcast useful as we share lessons learned, discover best practices, and explore the human element components of ERP organizational change. In this episode, we will discuss SAP Business One and SAP Business by Design with Russell DeLapp. Russell is Executive Vice President of Services and Support at Navigator Business Solutions. Navigator configures and implements ERP solutions built on SAP Business One and SAP Business by Design. Russell is also a certified SAP Business by Design Finance, Professional Services, and Supply Chain Management Pre-Sales Solution Advisor and Consultant. Additionally, he is a certified Microsoft Dynamics SureStep Implementation Methodology and NAV Financials Expert. First, Russell, please tell us more. Further introduce yourself uh, to our listeners, um, both for you and uh, Navigator, please. Great. Thank you so much, Jack. Um, thank you for having me and uh, taking the time to uh, get to know us a little bit more. So uh, my, my background really, I um, actually graduated with, with uh, an accounting degree and I was going the CPA road and I ended up working for a um, as a controller for a company that is in uh, a VAR, a value-added reseller. And uh over the time there, I just got a lot more interested in business process, and I had the opportunity to be mentored by some of the best supply chain people, um, in, in my opinion, in, in the U.S. And uh, basically, what they told me was, um, you can pretty much become an expert in anything if you put it, you know, ten thousand hours into it. And uh, <laughs> at that point, I made the decision to learn more about ERP. And for the next twelve years, I ended up working more with uh, SAP products. And uh, really gain the full experience, or, um, gain experience in the full stack of the product. And so, um, over the last twelve years, I've done everything from support to implementation to ongoing optimizations into project management and leading a practice. And now, as a VP, I, I'm kind of over the uh, 
service, the support development. And in that, I leverage some of that experience to, to help the team build vertical solutions, which layer on top of the, uh, the ERP solutions, specifically in life science and uh, consumer product industries. Well, super. Thanks, Russell. I'm really looking forward to sharing your experience uh, with our listeners here today. Before we get started, uh, this is one question I've asked uh, several guests on our podcast, but how would you define ERP for our listeners? Yeah, that's that's an interesting question because it's such a broad topic, right? Yeah. But um, when you boil it down, it really is the uh, the core application that helps organizations run all operational components, specifically for any statutory, regulatory, or compliance-related activities, as well as, you know, really the, the most important part, in my opinion, is that, that one source of truth to help you make real-time business decisions for your organization. Well, good definition. So now my next question then is, if that is the case, what's the difference then between SAP Business One and SAP Business by Design? And by the way, that's a question we get all the time. Yeah, yeah, us too, right? When we're uh, yeah. positioning in our pre-sales process. So really, both are awesome products. Both of them have a lot of overlap in the space that they're in. Um, you know, it really kind of boils down to the the culture of the organization, what we determine is the best fit for that that organization. Starting with by design, you know, at its core, it's really more of that sweet in the box. So out of the box, it can scale a little bit higher into some more um, advanced features and functions. Uh, one example might be it has a lot more embedded warehouse management in it, whereas it's just a different strategy. Do you want to use kind of what's in the box or do you want the flexibility to go and select whatever warehouse management solution that you want? And then plug that in, right? So business one is is typically a little bit more modular out of the box, and by design's more that sweet in the box and the embedded workflow and kind of the the best practices baked in. Um, so that's really the difference um, of of kind of just your strategy of how you want to layer your ERP and your your organizational landscape. Do you want to have more add-ons to scale higher, or do you want to use the suite in the box? And both have their pros and cons, right? Because uh, what's available to you out of the box and by design might not necessarily suit your needs, so you might end up going to a an external warehouse management solution anyway. Yeah, well, interesting. Well, thanks for that. You know, as I'd mentioned earlier to our listeners, you know, you work for Navigator, uh, mm -hmm. which is an SAP partner. And, you know, there's there's different models out there, right, where there's some ERP vendors that actually they don't actually have VARs or value added resellers or implementation partners. And then, of course, there are ERP vendors out there that do. Uh, and, and it's actually the opposite end of the spectrum where all of their work, all of their, you know, their reselling or implementation is actually done through partners, not directly from the ERP vendor themselves. But one article that I saw on your site, and I thought it was, it was interesting, and it was a, I believe, a December article of 2019, and it was called The Benefits of Working with a Partner, Not the Vendor. Can you elaborate on that for our listeners, please? Yeah, typically the the vendor, right? The um, the software publisher is is a product company at its core, whereas uh, VARs we're more of a service centric organization where we value customer experience and customer success at um, higher levels. Whereas the vendor will typically value the life cycle, the product, and future proofing the product, right? So there's just two different core you know, missions within the two organizations, right? And yeah. so our DNA is just slightly different. Additionally, the, the publishers are typically large organizations with 100,000 employees where Navigator will have 100 employees. So we're a lot more agile and we, we know your business and we can adapt to your specific situation and address your needs in a much more agile and, and quick fashion. 
you know, again, I think that's an important point, you know, this idea of being agile and, and flexible and dedicated really to a organizational change and in, in project management and, and change management is very different from actually making a product, you know, a software product, you know, and it is there, there's different models, you know, you have those ERP vendors that just do everything. They're the value added reseller and they, they're also the implementers. And then on the other end of that spectrum are the, com- the ERP vendors where everything is done through a, an external third-party partner. And then there's a bit of a hybrid. You know, Some ERP vendors, they do some implementation and, and reselling as well as having partners. Um, so I thought that was an yeah, interesting article. And we'll put that in our show notes uh, for our listeners. So Russell, suppose you're leading a kickoff meeting for an organization that is just starting an ERP implementation how would you or how would Navigator define for them and describe for them success in terms of ERP organizational change? You know, that's a really good question. One of the first things that we actually do in the handover from our sales to our services team is uh, my project manager, my um, project sponsor will meet with their counterparts, uh, the project sponsor or project sponsors on the on the customer side. And we build that project charter. And the first thing to do with them is collaborate and understand what success looks like for them. Why have they made this investment? What is our goal? And how are we going to accomplish that goal? And so we basically add supporting documentation on, on what they can expect to need. Anything from how, how available are their resources? What is their business plan for the next six months? Because oftentimes the business isn't going to stop just because you're implementing an ERP system. So we want clear executive leadership and support and buy-in to be able to actually support that definition of success. And so if we have success defined, that makes it so much easier as we go through the project and understand um, as questions and challenges come up, we always refer back to the project charter. Does this get us closer to our goals? Does Does this get us closer to that definition of success? Yeah, exactly. And you know, the different stakeholder groups often have different experiences and expectations and understanding of reality. Uh, unless you do that, Russell, you can't possibly be successful if, if every person or every stakeholder group has a different definition of success. Exactly. You'll never be successful as, a, or as an organization if that's the case. So having that alignment and understanding of what success is, and it's something that's understood and agreed upon from the executive team and, and all the other stakeholder groups, I would say is critical. So I, I know, Russell, that Navigator has many blog posts regarding selection. And as mm-hmm. I mentioned earlier, uh, Nestle & Associates puts a lot of emphasis on this idea of selection and finding that one best fit for every organization. But for example, on, on your Navigator's, uh, on your website, and again, we'll share this link with our listeners, but you have articles called How to Evaluate an ERP System. Another one is ERP Evaluation. Are you looking at price or value? Another one is how to pick the best ERP solution for your startup. And then lastly, another article is system fit is like buying the right house for your family. Uh, I thought they were all really nice articles. But would you agree that ERP system selection is one of the most crucial decisions to be made during the ERP organizational change endeavor and why? And I ask that, Russell, because as you know, there are many hundreds of different vendors in the Mm -hmm. ERP space. And so I'm curious to get your general advice for organizations that are looking to select an ERP solution. Yeah, out of all the blogs that you just mentioned, the the system fit is like buying the right house for your family kind of resonates with me the most. As we talked a little bit earlier about the differences between B1 and by design, there's a lot of overlap in features and functions. This is how you want to get there. What does your organization look like? How big is it going to be next year? How big is it going to be in the next five years? 
And what's your growth strategy? Is it acquisition? Is it international growth? All of those are factors that kind of come into to buying the right ERP solution because you're going to put more value on maybe a more global solution or maybe a more IT heavy solution or uh, more of a cloud solution where you don't want to consider IT as a core competency. Um, so there's, there's a lot of factors that really go into it. And to me, it's just like buying a house for your family, right? Are, yeah. are you going to house your, your mother or are you going to have a, another, another kid? Do you want to live in a good school district? You know, the same variables that, that are going to influence your ERP selection are going to influence, you know, in kind like buying a house. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, it, it's a pretty broad idea too, because you're looking at how well does the software model my business, right? You know, every business has a way of doing business. Does it have the right features and functions? What is the implementation partner methodology? You know, so there's there's just a lot that goes into system selection. You know, and it seems to me, Russell, you know, having been a big part of our business is helping organizations through that process. And with so many options and there's so many marketing and sales approaches and so many organizations having never been through an ERP selection previously, what would you say to our listeners in terms of how can organizations focus on looking at the true differentiators in terms of the ERP vendors and maybe even the partners? Again, I mentioned this before uh, in articles and also on our podcast. I tell people all the time that during the sales pitch, you can often swap logos on the same slide deck and leave the rest. <laughs> and they all seem to say the same thing. What do you say? And I, I'm, of course, I'm being facetious, having a little fun with that. But what do you say about that? And what are some of the things to consider when trying to understand the true differentiators between ERP options during a selection process and the ERP partners as well? Yeah, I, I think it all starts with really take the time to build a good RFP, right? Have all of your requirements. Don't just include the stakeholders, but also the business leads as well as the people doing the execution, right? Uh, make sure that you have a, a solid RFP that's going to address the critical decision points in your organization or address the pain points, right? Not only the pain points, but make sure it'll do what works well is today in your system, right? And so have, have a good demo script or what you want to see from the vendors. Don't be afraid when you're going through a demo in an ERP system to ask specific questions or get another demo on a specific segment. I think a lot of people tend to shy away from that. But mm -hmm. the time and investment that you put up front in your selection process is going to pay dividends in the long run to, like I said, buy that right home, buy the right ERP system. When it comes to selecting that vendor, this isn't just a one-time project, right? You're getting in a long-term partnership with your ERP implementation vendor. Um, you know, At Navigator, we have a customer for life motto, right? We want to be with you when you're small. And, and as you grow and, and help be that trusted advisor with you as technology changes, as your business changes, as you expand into different product lines or industries or regions, right? So we want to be part of that growth cycle with you. That's really our ideal customer. So with that said, uh, another really important factor is you want to know the partner themselves. You want to trust the salespeople. But the most important thing I can tell the listeners right now is meet your project team. You want to be comfortable with the people that are actually going to be on your project. And don't hesitate to, to ask that before you commit to any contractual obligations, because those are the people that are going to be with you and your trusted advisors throughout the project and the next several years. That's uh, great advice and great insight, Russell. I appreciate that. And especially trust the partner. And just the one point I'll, I'll say to that is during the selection process, you know, there's a lot you can do to, to really figure out if you can trust your partner, mm -hmm. you know, and I, I think that's a critical piece, but you have to get that sense for trust, obviously, before you sign on the line. 
you've got to know that that trust is there and that you're going to have the right people and they're going to be committed and dedicated to your organization. Uh, so I think that is often an underestimated aspect of the selection process, uh, for sure. Yeah. Um, well, also make sure that they have experience in your industry, for example. Uh, have they invested in your industry? Is there any specific intellectual property that they have around it? And finally, references. If the, yeah. if the partner doesn't have customers that want to reference for them, that's a good indication that they might not be successful in your space. Absolutely. Well, Russell, how would you describe your general understanding of ERP implementation success rates in the field? So I'm not specifically, not just your experience or Navigator, but just in general, what does that look like in terms of, of success rates? Yeah, that's a, that's a really interesting question. You know, I personally pride ourselves on our, all the way from the, the marketing to the sales aspect, making sure that that prospect is right for Navigator. And so it's one of my roles in the pre-sales process is to make sure that we're engaging the right type of customer that's a good fit for Navigator. So, it, so it's a two-way street. It, it really is. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because it, it is an expensive sales cycle for us, right? Mm -hmm. And so we certainly want to make sure that we're investing in, in the right prospects. Um, but it's, it's a really interesting question because it depends on your definition of success, right? So one stakeholder yeah. might find it wildly successful on the, the next yeah. one, uh, maybe wasn't vocal enough or assumed too much and didn't end up getting what they needed or, you know, likewise. So that's what makes it such an interesting question. Ultimately, that's, that's an important part of the methodology and making sure success is defined and involving stakeholders through every phase of the project. There are consulting firms out there and, and competitors that like to toss out failure rates as kind of uh, uh, to get your attention, to get your response. You know, some some ERP projects do absolutely fail. And that's oftentimes because they didn't have that person like myself that's that's essentially in charge of delivery up front, making sure that the customer is a right fit for the product itself. Because, you know, sometimes it might be the customer's first time buying an ERP system and you simply don't know what questions to ask or, or they haven't had somebody like Nestle and Associates kind of guide them through that process. And so um, you get down the road and you realize, you know, maybe we didn't make the right decision. And ultimately, it's not a one size fits all for ERP. So yeah. it does happen, but not not at Navigator. <laughs> <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> Good answer. All right. Next question here, Russell, what would you say are some of the most significant challenges in an ERP organizational change effort? So let me let me just add without going down a rabbit hole, um, just kind of pull the last two questions together here a little bit. And I want to illustrate through a story. I want to share a, an experience. And we actually went through a selection process and uh, we actually had five vendors at this point. The organization decided, hey, we've got five different products that we actually would like to take a look at. And we brought one of them in. They did their sales pitch and everything. And we asked the question, and again, this is one of those things I referred to earlier, is you have to get the trust of the partner. And the question started out as, okay, well, what do you think the success rate is? Do you think you're going to be successful? And their answer was, yeah, we're going to be 100% successful. And they didn't talk about how we're going to define success. Uh, obviously, you can't say you're going to be successful unless you lay out the rules uh, and, and requirements to be successful. Exactly. And the answer was, well, yes. And, and the other question was a follow-up question was, well, how many of your projects did you fail or struggle? And the honest answer was none. We hit our mark, we're successful. And then the third question was the same question I just asked you is, well, you know, what are some of the most significant challenges in your ERP organizational change effort? 
And the answer was, well, you know, we don't really have a lot of significant challenges. And right there, I think in my view, when it comes to trust, that's a huge flag. Oh, absolutely. You know, I, I think that the idea of, you know, success is obviously you want to try to make that non-subjective. So you want that to be as objective as possible. And it's definitely worth, like you said earlier, Russell, to go through and put the work in and time, money and effort to do things right on the onset and get the right partner and get the right product because that pays dividends down the line. But I think the fact of the matter is, is most ERP organizational change efforts of most scales do have significant challenges because there's, there's just so much to it. So I, I think you and I would probably both agree that there's challenges, but that's okay. That doesn't mean you're not going to be successful. The, the key is there is how you handle the challenges, right? How you're prepared to address the challenges as an organization, as an organizational culture, you know, I think is the big thing. So you're not trying to prevent any and all challenges, but the way you react to those challenges is the most important thing, right? So, but what, what would you say are some of the most significant challenges that you see in your experience or with Navigator uh, in terms of ERP implementations? Yeah, that, that was a Great question and, and great insight to the question, right? Um, because change is hard. Uh, so anybody that says uh, going through an ERP implementation isn't going to be disruptive certainly um, hasn't gone through one before. So the number one that I see most commonly really is just environmental changes, uh, especially recently with COVID and the change to remote workflows and and how that impacts your business, your capacity, um, things like uh, just external factors, as well as, you know, what is a company strategy? Oftentimes, I'm halfway through an implementation and the executive leadership announces an acquisition of another company. Oh, and that needs to go live first, right? And it kind of, it changes up the project. And it's certainly a challenge, right? And we get together from a steering committee perspective. And if a change is needed, we certainly all align. We redefine what success looks like. We build a project plan to to execute that, right? And that kind of goes to what we talked about earlier, being a little bit more agile and being more invested in your specific success as a trusted advisor and a partner. Yeah. Um, the, the next one really is a lot of companies we engage with have incredibly talented people, but not all of those people are great trainers, right? So to disseminate the knowledge and training and decisions throughout the organization, you know, you, you have to have the right methodology selected for your organization, right? Some of them are excellent trainers and, and very good at teaching people what they've learned and how to actually do proper testing and uh, training cycles, right? And so a big way to mitigate that risk essentially is to make sure that you have the right services selected throughout your implementation process so that we, we can deliver the support needed to ensure success of that project. Yeah. And finally, um, executive leadership is always critical, right? Because change is hard. Um, some people have been doing certain things the same way for 20 years, and now that's going to look slightly different. And, and sometimes there's some resistance to that. So it's it's good to have everybody rowing in the same direction, everybody understanding that this is coming. Um, let's, let's certainly get on the boat before we're uh, left at the dock, right? The complete organizational buy-in to putting the extra work on top of your day job is absolutely important. That comes from the executive level. Yeah, absolutely. Great pointers and great insight. And I will say, Russell, like all of those are, are super important and valid points. And, you know, the one thing you talked about, the idea of training and learning and development, organizational learning, and I think that that's something we could talk about for an hour easily. Yeah. That's why we've had many learning and development experts on this podcast, because I really think that that's a field that the ERP practice or the ERP organizational change field, that's what we call it, can learn from. And having had the opportunity to formally and informally review many, many implementation plans 
that's often one area that can be pretty weak in an implementation plan is just this whole idea of effective and efficient learning and development. So um, great point. Russell, I, I know that the Navigator has a, a post titled Navigator Business Solutions and Ubix Labs partner to provide advanced analytics to drive intelligent transformation. What do you think is the future of ERP in general? And what are some of the innovations and emerging technology driving ERP in 2023 and beyond? I mean, AI, chatbots, predictive analytics, and so forth. What's your general thoughts on that? Yeah, 100%. That needs to be part of the core ERP. Ubix is uh, adds value in their own personal algorithms and things like that. They're the next level predictive analytics machine learning that take external data sources married with your data source. So they're really that best of breed. But even in the core ERP system, you're going to want machine learning, robotic process automation, predictive analytics as part of the core offering. For example, let's, let's use a sales cycle, right? I have an opportunity. And then based on the opportunity conditions, you know, what products are looking at, what regions are in, whatever that is, the system, at least, uh, you know, SAP can go through and, and look at that and tell you what your chance of success is based off of similar conditions and similar environments. So it really, like I mentioned before, it helps you make those managerial decisions and where to invest your time and energy into the highest chance of success. And so without that really, I guess to summarize that, it's, it's all about the intelligent enterprise and really making use of that enterprise level data into uh, what we call insight to action. So based off of that insight, the system then will give me a win-loss percentage recommendation, and then I can perform action, right? And so this brings it to my attention that this is a high chance of success. So certainly I want to nurture that account a little bit more than others. Yeah. You know, on, on the support-centric type of um, organizations, chatbots are awesome, right? And that's becoming more and more um, expected. Yeah. So uh, for any kind of best of breed solution, that, that's the stuff that you want to make sure that your vendor, your, your software publisher is invested heavily in because those are very big lifts to kind of put into the core DNA of the product itself. And finally, I, I mentioned it, but the robotic process automation is something that it's not necessarily new, but it, um, it's become more, uh, I'm getting more and more use cases on it. My customers are, are learning more about it and understanding how it can add use to their businesses. And then we can help facilitate that, right? So anything that you're doing manually or have to go in and um, change based off of certain conditions, just having the, the system do that for you automatically is a, a huge time and value add. So uh, an example of that is you get an email with an attachment on it, and then we can have a bot running, reading that email, bring it directly into your system and post that supplier invoice and actually match it against the PO for any kind of uh, leveraging machine learning attributes, you know, based on these conditions, look to this area to recognize the data and I'm getting too detailed, but it, it's just really cool process automation things that really add value to the user experience, yeah. right? Yeah. And I love that topic, you know, in terms of how can technology, emerging technologies or even existing, maybe maybe they're not technologies that you would necessarily consider emerging technologies, but they've been around a while. Mm -hmm. Uh, but they're starting to be incorporated into the ERP products. And I, I'm fascinated by that idea because we've actually talked about this quite a bit with previous guests and, you know, this idea of improving the human experience. One yeah. guest yeah. described it, it was really the idea if there's a specific use case for these technologies, I mean, having the technologies is one thing, but making them useful in a way that can improve the human experience or facilitate the human experience is really, you know, what it's all about. But what a fascinating idea. And, and just to, to see where we're going to be 5, 10, 15 years from now, 
with ERP software and how the technology has changed that human experience, uh, I think is a very interesting idea. Yeah. One of the things we're trying to do is, um, like I mentioned, and you said it as well, um, as we come across more of these use cases, we're packaging them up into a usability pack or that experience pack and making them available to the community at large, right? Just to uh, not as necessarily a revenue generating exercise, but I think it's good to get passion in the community and, and sharing those experiences and use cases with others. Yeah, absolutely. So Russell, what about, let's talk about SAP specifically in, in terms of SAP products. So, you know, business one and or by design, what are the emerging technologies that SAP is actually building or plans to build over the next, you know, one to five years that you think will act as a competitive differentiator for SAP? Is there such a thing? Do you think there's any one area or technology that SAP is really focused on that would, I guess, be more of a competitive differentiator for their product? Uh, that's, that's a good question. It's hard to get specific on, but SAP has been highly focused on the intelligent enterprise is what they would call yeah. it. And that's basically a bundle of, of the last question, right? So now uh, machine learning is free out of the box, right? It has the algorithms and everything in there. You just need to train the data. Um Robotic process automation, again, it's just free. It's, it's what they're investing in now because it is a, a stable core product. Um, it's feature rich. And now their focus is more on how do we enhance that human experience or the user experience? And secondly, obviously making the technology future-proof, right? So those are the two areas of core investment right now to make SAP that, that long-term player in the market and that innovative lead. I believe even in the Gartner matrix, they're, they're the highest in innovation of all ERP systems. Hey, Russell, can you do me a favor for our listeners that may not understand? Uh, you just mentioned future-proof, having an ERP system that's future-proof. What do you mean by that? Oh, yeah, that's that's a great question. So there are some publishers out there that are, for lack of a better term, just putting lipstick on a pig. Um, but <laughs> SAP has you know, invested in the core infrastructure to keep technology, to keep their technology on the latest and greatest, right? So moving from their own databases to the hyperscalers, right? Because that is the future of how technology is trending. Um, changing technology from a Silverlight technology to a HTML5 technology, right? Being on the cloud, a true cloud model, not a on-premise system hosted in the cloud is, is really that initiative, right? And it's their responsibility to update their maybe legacy technology into where technology is trending and, and to future-proof it, right? That was a great point. I really wanted to emphasize that for our listeners. That's something to be aware of, uh, absolutely, because you're right. There are ERP vendors that perhaps do put lipstick on a pig, and that can get pretty clunky, and that causes all sorts of problems eventually, mm -hmm. especially if, as you'd mentioned, all these various technologies as you try to, I, I guess, improve your product by taking advantage of these technologies, you know, if you're not future-proof, that can, that can bring some challenges uh, for sure. Well, kind of along the same lines, Russell, there is another article. This is on Navigator's website, and it's open source ERP systems for small business pros and cons. And for our listeners' benefit, they may or may not know that there's nearly, I'm not sure what the exact count is right now, but at one point there was nearly 100 ERP vendors in the discrete manufacturing space. I mean, that's a lot of vendors. And some of them actually were open source ERP systems. And I think it's important to understand what that is and what that means. But can you explain to our listeners, Russell, open source and what it is and what are some of the pros and cons? Yeah, there's a lot of different shapes, sizes, and colors out there for open source, but typically they're 
basically a free and free and accessible to anybody. Um, you basically take that open source ERP system and and then you can develop into it to tailor it to your needs, which could be very cost effective ERP option for some early startups. However, that means that that developer that you use is really going to be the the only one that knows how things were built. And then they're oftentimes working on uh, functional specs given to them and not necessarily, you know, understanding best practices. So what we find in the open source era is turns into this cobweb of of code and band-aids that are just stacked on top of each other. Like I said, it's very cost effective, but there's a lot of drawbacks to something like that. There's oftentimes not a a solid software development lifecycle process that keeps the code validated and up to date, as well as anytime your business changes, it's going to typically require code or augmentation to what's already been built to facilitate that change or that growth. I haven't ever seen open source ERPs last very long for organizations that are growing, but it is a it is an extremely cost effective way to get started in the ERP space. Yeah. And it they do exist, obviously, but I, I agree with your points. And there's actually, of course, people, they have written papers on the idea of the value and pros of open source, and they tend to be the ones that are probably associated with the particular vendor. But I think it's important to let our listeners know that such a product uh, does exist. Russell, next, I'd like to circle back on, on a part of the conversation we were having earlier around trust and challenges in an ERP implementation. So what do you think is more likely? One, nearly perfect success with no major challenges, or two, some challenges, but the organization endures, usually due to a strong culture and therefore realize success. What's more likely, one or two? Oh, gosh. Um, you know, I, I want to say one, but that uh, that really depends on the fit and the investment in industry. But uh, just to be totally honest, it's normally number two um, for at least a day one go live. It's that five steps forward, three steps back thing. We're, we're not trying to be perfect on day one, um, but we're trying to achieve the definition of success on day one. And then in six months to 12 months is typically when the users have adapted the system, adopted the system, excuse me, and can basically provide better feedback so we can turn the more detailed dials to then achieve that number one and, and ultimately start really getting that ROI out of the system and in achieving that level of success that was defined. Yeah, good answer. You, you passed one of my trust questions. So, <laughs> and, oh, and, oh, um, Jack, I'm sorry. Yeah. Something that's popped into my mind on the open ERP question, um, yeah. at least in, in our space, one of the biggest concerns is uh, data security and data privacy and the, the liability that is now on companies to keep data secure is open source uh, ERP oftentimes has limitations and encryption and things like that. So you might have to get a third party to help uh, do that encryption for you, whereas it's, it's fairly standard within uh, SAP stack to do that encryption on your behalf. So so things like that you're going to run into with open source that will present problems. Good. Yeah, great. Thank you for that. Um, and hey, Russell, I, I do want to circle back to your answer on that last question. And you'd mentioned this idea of going live and, you know, often the, I, I think you said, what, five steps forward, you know, four steps back or something like that. And and that's a real thing, right? I mean, that that's a productivity dip and there is a dip and that dip can vary, <clears throat> excuse me, amongst uh, organizations, but there's always a productivity dip. But the other thing is the idea, or I should say the perception of success and even if you try to be objective in your definition and you have consensus and, you know, and you got unanimous agreement in how you define success, 
sometimes perception of success can vary throughout the course of the project, right? So, so I think that's important to realize. And, you know, like you said, you go live, you take five steps forward, you take four steps back, but you keep working together, you overcome that productivity curve. And eventually most people in the organization would agree, at least their perception of success is aligned, but you certainly people's view of success depends on where you're at in that life cycle, I would say sometimes. So, um, but good point. So as you know, in the implementation process and and the methodology is crucial in the ERP implementation, what can you share with our listeners as to how you feel your implementation process is a differentiator from other ERP players? So you've talked a little bit about that, Russell, and and Navigator and, and some of your competitive differentiators, but can you elaborate more and especially in terms of not just the SAP product, but in terms of your implementation process and your methodology, and how would you say that makes you different from maybe other SAP partners out there? Uh, yeah, I mean, so it is a practice, right? We're always learning, we're always evolving. It is a methodology, right? It's more of a guideline than anything, a framework that we operate within. So with that said, there are a lot of project controls and early warning signs and communication and risk identification and mitigation is like the foundation that you'd see with any methodology. But our our goal really is to get you in your system as fast as possible with your data. And so we've designed early accelerators to basically gain a lot of momentum. And we don't do this huge blueprinting session up front because we want to make sure that you see what the system can do before we say, we want to do it this way, right? Because oftentimes when you're coming into a new ERP implementation, if you're telling us how you do it today, then sometimes you'll just get what you have today, right? So we want to glean information, understand your business. And the best way for us to do that is actually to work with you and and look at your data. And your data will tell us a story because we have very senior consultants. And they'll basically reverse engineer a process, ask a few questions. And then we we have our, our business process overview, right? Our, our industry fit to standard. This is what people do in the pharma space. This is what people do in the life science space. Uh, med device or, um, you know, even fashion, right? So we have specific process templates for those industries. And then from there, we walk you through the system with your data in it. And then that's when we're doing that. It's kind of that two-way street, right? So we'll, we'll show you the, let's say the order to cash process, and then we'll get your feedback on what the differences are there. And those could either be process gaps where we have to tweak the process or they can just be change management gaps where you do it differently today and you're not sure which one's better or if you want it changed. And as we go through that process, we document all those steps. And ultimately, I find that the probably the biggest differentiator from what we do and others do is just getting you in your system within three to four weeks with your data in it. Good. Thank you. And I love the point you made, Russell, about data will tell a story. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is so true. And as you and I both know, you could send in you know, a senior subject matter expert, look at the data without really even knowing much about your business and be able to tell you where your weak links are or your opportunities within your business, right? Because it's going to be represented within the way you utilize your ERP system. But that would be another uh, fun conversation. But that was a good point. Um, So let me ask you this, Russell, when you say as fast as possible, what are, and and maybe your, your view may be different depending on whether we're talking about business one or by design, but I'll let you tell me, or maybe not. But what are your thoughts on ERP software customization? And do you think that customizations can be good in order to better fit the operational processes and or isn't too much uh, customization a danger? 
So when you say, you know, you, you get in with the company's uh, data and you try to do it in three to four weeks, and that's part of your differentiator and your process and how you accomplish that. But what if, like you'd mentioned yourself, the two different products, uh, the business one and by design are, are a bit different, right? One's more modular, one's more out of the box, a suite. But what if there is a gap in the product in terms of features and functions, and it creates a gap operationally, so it does require some sort of customization? What would that look like between the two products, uh, if at all, or how would you handle that? Yeah, so it, it happens all the time, right? So we want to certainly leverage what's out of the box first. That's always our approach. Ultimately, it comes to that decision on the customer saying, you know, this, this is a true gap and we want you to solve it, right? Most of the time, that's actually uncovered up front. And we recognize that even before we begin the implementation. However, there are, there are some cases where, you know, as we get into the details, they, they want some automation somewhere, additional attributes somewhere else, something like that. So with every customization or every integration, there is risk. As I mentioned before, that future-proof concept and um, SAP has actually given us a layer to develop in that that is outside kind of that core framework. So I've done over the last 10 years, over 500 different customizations for our customers. And the amount of maintenance that they take is next to zero. It's, it's extremely, extremely rare when something gets disrupted with an upgrade. So with that said, anytime this is identified, basically we do an inherent risk on the customization. So if it's going to interfere with a core process or something like that, the risk will be greater. And then we'll put a lot more effort into, again, the measures that need to be taken to facilitate that customization and making sure that it's going to not interfere with any future upgrades or future roadmap of the publisher. So if, if that is the case, we do offer certain things like uh, managed services on that customization, where we'll actually do scripted testing on, on each release, which is two to four times a year. Got it. Interesting. And would you say that that's kind of the same idea across both products? Yeah, same same exact concept. Yeah, yeah, got it. Two different well, SLAs, but the same same security and, and protocols and deployment methodology. Sure. Okay. Well, Russell, this has been a fun conversation. If you don't mind, I have two more quick questions for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but this has been fun, and I really appreciate uh, your time here. So, you know, supply chain disruption has played a lot of havoc on organizations, yeah. and your team has a an article called "Supply Chain Disruption and ERP: Why Digital Connectivity Matters." Can you maybe just share a little bit about that article or your idea of uh, or thoughts on how ERP is such a critical tool? if it's well leveraged and well managed to provide you with that appropriate supply chain visibility and maybe resiliency? Yeah, that's that's a good question, right? You know, I'd, I would answer that slightly different five years ago where it was more of an environmental issue. Uh, if there's a fire near your building, you'd have to go and run and grab your servers because you didn't have the data redundancy and things like that. But um, to, in today's world, uh, I'm really passionate about seeing what our customers are doing and kind of helping them make that transition and that adjustment. One example of that would be, you know, our big box retailers, which are selling their product into the Costco's and Walmart's of the world, never had a direct consumer channel. And so as they moved into that direct consumer, as the big box stores were staying closed for a period of time, right, because of the early COVID restrictions, they had to find a way to generate revenue and that connectivity was was extremely important to just have available to them, even though they didn't need it before that time, but it was there when they did need it and we were able to connect to any kind of uh, e-commerce shop and digital distribution channels that, that kind of came up. Interesting. 
I'll again, I'll post that link to our show notes. I encourage our listeners uh, to take a look at that. Okay, Russell, one last question here. What's your golden nugget for our listeners today? That is, if you had to distill your work in, your, your great experience, your insight into three or four sentences, what would you leave our listeners with today in terms of successful ERP organizational change? Yeah, uh, that's a great question. Um, I, I would say that the most important thing is select a partner that you trust and want to work with for a right. long period of time. I think that's that's most important. Um, select an, an ERP system a that meets your needs in your industry, but but most importantly, that's going to be innovative. Uh, innovative typically means everything from new features, but also a platform that you trust is going to be continually updated in the, the IT landscape for the next 10, 20 years. And finally, definitely make the move to the cloud if you haven't already. Super. Russell, thank you for your time. I, I really appreciate it. Uh, this has been a fun conversation. And I uh, would love to get you back on here at some point. Uh, we have a lot to talk about and, and, and I think a lot in common. It would be fun to uh, share with our listeners. But can you tell us how our listeners can get in contact with you or with Navigator? Uh, yeah, absolutely. So the, the best way to find our contact information is going to be nbs-us.com. And then all, all the contact information is going to be on there for either sales and marketing. They'll, they'll route you to the, the right place. Sounds good. And of course, we'll have that in our show notes as well. Well, Russell, thank you again. I really appreciate it. And uh, we'll be in touch. And we'd love to get you back on here soon. Thank you so much, Jack. You bet. Take care. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of the ERP OCJ podcast. This podcast is intended as a forum to study, share, and discuss ERP organizational change successes and challenges. We discuss the people, process, and technological components of ERP organizational change by drawing on knowledge from extensive research, collaborative learning, and practitioner expertise and experience. We are incredibly grateful to have friends, colleagues, and mentors join us in our podcast as we seek to promote, connect, and foster relationships in the ERP organizational change community and contribute to its success by bringing research and practice closer together. We want to make sure this is the most useful and insightful ERP podcast you listen to, and we'd love your help in doing so by leaving us feedback and a review. A great place to do so is at Apple Podcasts. Just click on the Listen in Apple Podcasts link, then click Ratings and Reviews, and let us know your thoughts. You can get more info about the show, including show notes and episode highlights for this and all of our episodes by visiting nestleandassociates.com and clicking the podcast option. Please join us again next week as we discuss the latest ERP organizational change research, practice, and stories. And don't forget to follow us on social media, hashtag the ERPOCJ. Thanks again for listening. Have a fantastic week.